Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. What's up, team? Welcome back to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. I have sat in front of me today a particularly interesting doctor, Dr. Ripperellia, Dr. Ricky Ripperellia, who is here to talk about indemnity and how there is just countless things that, in our opinion, could be done better in that realm. And there's a massive opportunity for serving dentists whenever they understand, get, and implement this stuff into their life. Would you agree, Ricky? First of all, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Very well. Thanks for having me on the uh, on the podcast. Uh, really look forward to having a having a chinwag with you today. My pleasure, my friend. And what do you think about what I just said? Massive scope to improve things, right? Yeah, I think. Um, uh, look, there's, there's, there's. Indemnity has been around to us. I don't know how long, but it's something that all dentists need. Um, but you know, we work in an ever changing profession. You know, constant advancements. You know, we're always investing in the latest technology, the best courses. What about indemnity? Why are we still stuck in the old times? Um, and that's really one of the things that brought me to where I am today with this journey and wanting to help people with their indemnity. That's awesome. Top stuff. So Ricky, can you tell everyone a little bit about you just before we get stuck into the podcast, the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, I'm a dentist. So I qualified in 2014 from Manchester Uni and I, after qualifying, I stayed in, in the Northwest. I was doing a master's. I was working there. And in 2017, I then moved back home to the Midlands, moved back with my parents, which was fun, and I got a job working in a group of practices. At that point, that's when things really took a turn for me, actually. The practice I worked at, there was a dispute, which I won't go into the details behind that, but there was a disagreement, which did lead to me getting landed with a GDC investigation. And of course, you know, that, well, I'm sure anyone can appreciate how, how difficult that must be. But, and it certainly was for me, it was, it was horrible. I wouldn't want anybody to have to go through it. But unfortunately, as dentists, it's the, one of the things that we fear the most. But, you know, going on that journey with the GDC, the process, of course, I lent on my indemnity. And I also learned a lot, not just about indemnity as a whole, but also about myself. So yeah, it was, I've had a bit of a difficult start to the career, but equally it's been insightful as well. You know what, in the tough parts in our life, that's when we gain the most wisdom, diamonds are formed under pressure. Mm-hmm. It's something I really, really, really like. And you know, there's actually a school of thought that when you put yourself into tough positions, you can you can almost do that. And I, I know that you never desired to have this outcome. This, this was never the purpose, right? But if you put yourself in a tough position, you're going to have to find a way out. You're going to learn a lot on the yeah. way. And sometimes needs must. And mm-hmm. I think it's amazing that you shared what you just shared so candidly on the podcast, mm-hmm. Ricky. Awesome. And then, of course, just like any situation in which there's tough circumstances, it leads to us reevaluating and perhaps refining and calibrating our course in life? And how has that looked for you since then? Yeah, I mean, you know, with the thing is, as a little bit deeper now, but as, as dentists, you know, we're all perfectionists. We all want to do 
the very best for our patients, for our, our the practice we work for. You know, we, we're all high achievers and we aim high. And then when something like this happens, you know, it brings you down 1%, one notch, but that is a massive, massive impact. And of course, with, with that, you know, getting reported to the GDC, being investigated by the GDC, I might get struck off, I might get suspended. I'll get judged by patients, by my colleagues. I won't, I'll lose my job. I won't be able to get new jobs. You know, all the, these, these are the sort of thoughts that are going through people's minds. And of course, all that equals shame. But actually, this is the part, this is a part of being a dentist. This is a sad and difficult part of being a dentist, but it's the reality. There shouldn't be any shame behind it. You know, it's, the, it's a process. And that's something I learned a lot. One of the biggest take-homes for me was, you know, this is a process I have to go through. I'll probably have to go through it many times in the future. Hopefully not, you know, hearings and things like that. But the GDC process is a stressful one. And they know it as well. And of course, you know, indemnity, none of us want to use our indemnity. We have to have it. We have to pay for it, unfortunately. But it's there should we need to. And more and more people, you know, are going through GDC investigations, disputes, you know, sort of complaints are on the rise. Patients' expectations are changing. And, you know, we are using our indemnity more. So it's important to have, you know, a provider that you trust and that you can rely upon that has your back. Again, thank you so much for sharing and going into more detail there. And I think it's actually really empowering to share a message like this on a podcast, on a platform, because there will almost undoubtedly be someone listening to this podcast who think, who's thinking to themselves, whoa, I've been on the wrong end of a GDC investigation as well. And no one ever plans to be there. They can find a sense of fortitude and solitude that there are other people out there who've experienced it. And like I said, there's wisdom that's gained in that moment, which is what we're here to talk about today. Of course, how did that experience with your indemnity look throughout that process? How much did they support you? I mean, the support, you know, they were very good. I think, you know, with hindsight, I would have done things better, but I can't criticize their intentions at all. But it goes back to what I was saying at the start, really, which is, you know, times have moved on. So naturally, you would have leaned on your indemnity around about that period. What did you learn about the indemnity system through going through that process? Well, um, the first thing I learned was the one I was with, they're they're discretionary. Um, I didn't even know what that meant. Um, But actually, they have the discretion to refuse cover at any point. Um, Now, that doesn't, from from what I do now, um, it doesn't happen very often. Um, But what does happen more often is you're almost sort of, can't find the best word to describe, but essentially, if you don't comply with what they want, then they will refuse cover. So they can use instigate that discretionary clause whenever they want to. Now, of course, that's how they run their business. And they've been doing that for many, many years. But times have changed. You know, dentistry has changed. Um, Certainly, patient expectations have changed. But one thing people are missing is, Dentist expectations have also changed. You know, we are still people. Um, and I think, you know, having having discretion, you're paying all that money for somebody to, to say, look, if you don't do things our way, then sorry, we're just going to withdraw cover for you. I mean, I, I would say it's a little bit unfair. I see. Right. I see. And again, I've, I've heard this, of this phenomenon before, but don't really know in too much detail how it works which obviously is completely not a good thing, given that I was a dentist and given that I purchased this cover. And I I knew vaguely of the discretionary thing, but I I just went with the flow and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to use this major indemnity provider or whatever, because everybody else is. 
but does it actually work for me and does it suit me and can I use them whenever I'm in a tight spot if that ever did happen and certainly it's a nasty shock to be able to find that out at the possibly the most inopportune moment when you are on the wrong end of the claim of a claim which by the way can happen to absolutely anybody you can be the most phenomenal dentist in the whole wide world and it can happen if you just have one person who doesn't like you so I guess what I'm interested to know is how can we protect ourselves against that or what would you have done differently in hindsight? I think, um, well, the first thing is I wouldn't have taken out discretionary cover. You know, it's it's a lot more dentists are aware of it these days, but the majority of dentists I, you know, I speak to anyway are thinking, you know, what, what, what are you talking about here? So I completely get your question. Essentially, you've got an organization that you can choose to be a member of. Um, and they will give you indemnity cover on a membership basis, on a discretionary basis. Um, a membership, you know, if you're a member to a club, for example, the member, the membership can be terminated by either party at any point. Um, it's that sort of thing. Now, of course, um, the other type you've got is legally binding indemnity policies that are underwritten by insurers. They give you essentially the same thing, but have different clauses. I see. So interested to know more about those. So yeah, I mean, legally binding policies. Now, uh, that's what that's that's what I think every dentist should be having. Um, and it means there's no discretionary element there. You know, the, the a legally binding indemnity provider cannot turn around and say, we're refusing cover, or if you don't do things this way, then we're not going to cover you. The fact that it's legally binding, it's a contract. And that contract is agreed uh, by both parties. And it's once there's been an exchange of money, then that contract is is in force. And of course, if a dentist needs to use their indemnity, if it's legally binding, the insurer cannot turn around and refuse cover. And I guess the big thing that's probably on everybody's minds now that they've just learned that, some will be familiar with that and some won't. Some will have just learned it from listening to you speak just now. How does that affect our premiums? Are the premiums higher? Well, you think they're higher, um, but actually, generally, for most cases, they're, they're lower. Um, and it makes yeah. you think, hang on, what, what, why is that the case? So the interesting part with this is because in, indemnity insurance is, is regulated by the FCA, there are certain, what do you say, algorithms, I guess. Um, there are ways of determining somebody's risk. And, and that's what the underwriters will do behind the scenes. Um, they'll determine if an individual is a high risk and they'll charge a premium that reflects reflects that. Of course, membership organizations, they yes, they have their own underwriters, I guess, uh, working around the scenes, but they can make their own rules as they go along. You know, they're not bound by uh, the Financial Conduct Authority. You know, they, they, they believe it or not, the discretionary MDOs, they aren't regulated at all, which I think is a... Um, it's, it's ironic, really, because, the, you know, the whole sort of um, the service they provide is all focused around those that regulate us the GDC, yet they themselves are not regulated. That's crazy. Interesting. And I know that obviously you're someone who's put a little bit of research into indemnity and how that works ever since you and your, you, yourself and your situation and maybe just finding out to your own shock that you weren't going to be covered. And I'm sure there's lots of other things like that as well. There's lots of other things that you wouldn't necessarily realize or understand about the world of indemnity. Because really what we do is we just buy our indemnity. We do some sort of cursory scan. We'll think, okay, we'll go with this one, maybe this supplier, and then just assume that we're covered and assume that we're sorted. Are there other examples of those sorts of instances, maybe in other areas of the indemnity process? So, well, I've got a couple of examples. Firstly, 
there's, there's, I'll give you an example about a dentist that recently reached out to me. He was with with a, an MDO, a discretionary MDO, and his difficulty he, situation he was in was he wasn't covered for Invisalign work, yet he'd been doing Invisalign for, well, a while. Then the MDO decided to turn around and say, actually, you're going to have to pay a few thousand pounds to get that cover back dated. Now, he wasn't aware. He thought he was covered. And yet somebody else, myself, years ago, when I was with this company, I was I was doing Invisalign work, and that formed part of my normal general dentistry membership, if you like. You know, it's not it, there was no extra cover, extra premium to pay. So it's you know it's like it's one rule for one, another for other, whatever that expression is. So that's just one example. You know, there's no transparency. The second thing I was going to say was in relation to okay, so you know we we all talk about the importance of clinical records, you know, the legal aspects of it. Of course, we all have whether you're an associate or a principal, you're going to have some contracts between dentists. Now, if there's a dispute, a disagreement, and I'm not saying one party is right, another party is wrong, both could be wrong, both could be right, but there is a dispute. Again, that's something the indemnity ought to be helping with, because of course, if that's not addressed, that could lead to further problems like a GDC complaint, for example. So, you know, why is it fair that they almost say to you, well, look, no, we're not going to cover you for this, but we'll cover you for that if it turns into a GDC. Surely by addressing, you know, the root of the problem will could even prevent a GDC. So, you know, but it, there's no transparency in, in, and it's not clear cut as to what's included. I mean, for example, MDOs, they'll give you a certificate. You won't actually get a breakdown of exactly what you've got cover for. It will just be a certificate with some basic wording. Of course, with a regulated underwritten indemnity insurance policy that's very different you know it's very clear what you get you do get well with us anyway you get legal cover so that legal cover can extend to not just giving you legal protection for gdc cases or if a, a patient suing you but it does cover for contractual disputes you know it extends further for sort of any sort of defamation there's this cover there there's cover for even tax inquiries you know all of that it's all part of being a dentist and really the indemnity should be as comprehensive as possible i agree and you know what it's interesting that you said all of that because really whenever we go for the or in my experience i just signed up to the indemnity and that was it whereas actually there's all there's lots of nuance to it that dentists don't necessarily realize until they listen to a podcast like this or they they learn it from some sort of resource. But the thing is, there's just no resource out there that really talks about this stuff, at least in my experience. I agree. I agree. The idea is, you know, we're all, we're all, you know, for example, if we're looking at a course, you know, you're going to study the course, you're going to potentially reach out to the course leader, you're going to learn about it before you're going to make a commitment. Why are people not looking at their indemnity in the same way you know ultimately it's it's a product slash service that you're paying for and you know dentists ought to know well let's look at it this way you take informed consent from a patient you give them the pros and cons you know you're making sure that that consent is valid it's fully informed it should be the same thing with us with any product service that we're signing up for with indemnity yes it's compulsory we all need to have it but we also deserve to be fully informed as to our options what could dentists do better, in your opinion? To be honest, it's it's, it's a good question. I mean, it, it's sort of, you know, you don't know what you don't know. I guess sort of education, you know, being being understanding that there are differences out there, 
knowing what you're paying for, knowing you have a choice as well, and also knowing that just because some of these companies who have been in your face since dental school, you know, aren't necessarily the most appropriate solution for you. And of course, you know, we talk, the other aspect, of course, is, is cost, is price. And what you're paying for, there has to be value to it as well. It doesn't mean cheap is rubbish, because one thing we do is we try and keep our prices as comprehensive, as comprehensive, of course, but as cost effective as possible. But ultimately, it's, it, it just boils down to sort of having that education, having that awareness, having that freedom to ask questions and choose. Love it. Well, you know what? I see a parallel in the finance world because it's some of the big boys whenever it comes to finance, especially for dentists, that actually get some of the the poorest returns in their portfolios and offer Mm -hmm. services which are not necessarily that diverse or not necessarily that well catered towards the dental community, in my opinion. But there's almost like there's like a there's like a herd mentality that because these are the, the, the some of the biggest, that we should all just go with them because they're seen as trusted or they're seen as the best place to go just sheerly because they've been around the longest or have the most people there. And it's often not the case. In fact, it, in fact not just often, rarely, rarely. Yeah, really, yeah, really I mean, rarely. It's, it sounds like it's the same. In the absolutely, absolutely. I mean, look at it this way. You know, we... we we're all quick to jump on the bandwagon for a new, you know, a new, a new composite injection molding course or a new end of file or, you know, a new course, a new technique of doing dentistry. And it's no different to, to your indemnity, basically. True. How many de- indemnity providers are there in the UK? Oh, that's a very good question. So you've got... And so the rest of the even get in, I, I guess that's probably difficult to answer to get into specific numbers. But to my mind, there's like three <laughs> that I've heard of. So put it this way, there are three or four discretionary providers. The, those that provide insurance are technically their brokers. So you've got, put it this way, there's a lot more brokers doing regulated, underwritten indemnity insurance policies compared to the companies out there doing discretionary cover. Right, I see. So the biggest ones happen to be the discretionary ones. Yeah, but actually, in reality, there are more out there that are non-discretionary. What was the terminology you just used? Non-discretionary or, or underwritten insurance. Right. So the majority are, it's just that their names are not as out there, right? Correct. Correct. Oh, interesting. Okay. And how many of them are there just off the top of your head? Are we talking like 10, 20, 30, 50? I would say over 10, over 10. I see. Okay, cool. So obviously... You've met dentists who are in similar situations through going through what you've been through. If you had to have a checklist of things that you could just tick off for the dentists who are listening today, a checklist of things that they could do to make their indemnity more robust, to ensure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted whenever it comes to this stuff, what would this be? And even a top three, maybe if you find that easier, it doesn't have to be a three. I mean, look, I would say just think about what you need and what you want as well from your indemnity. Number one, you want advice when it comes to patient complaints. Number two, you want cover, you know, financial cover. If a patient sues you successfully, you know, there's got to be that, that element there that, you know, a payout has to be made and, and that's where it will kick in. They're not going to say, oh, we're not going to pay out. You know, it's got to be legally binding. Of course, you want to be defended. If you've done nothing wrong, that's the most important part. You want somebody who, is, who has your back 
at all times. You know, it's not just thinking about their own bank balance, thinking, you know what, it's cheaper if I settle. No, it's about your reputation. And that is, well, to be honest, that probably is the most important part. Of course, then you've got to think about, you know, your your work setting and your the circumstances around what you do for a living. If you're a practice owner, you should have vicarious liability cover. If you're an associate, you still need defamation cover. Potentially, vicarious liability cover if some associates employ their own nurses, for example. If you're working at multi-sites, have you got multi-site cover? Now, of course, all of this stems back, it all stems from my experiences of things that I wished I had. And some of these things I did have, I didn't have all of them. You didn't have all of them? And you wish if you could go back, those would be the things that you would change? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? That is flipping beautiful. And I understand as well as that, Ricky, that through empowering yourself, through all of this knowledge, you also help dentists with, when it comes to their indemnity? I do. I do. So I started an organization called the Dental Defense League. And essentially, it's it's indemnity different. You know, it's the things that I wish I had. And I started this really purely because first I was looking for something out there that, that suited my needs. I quickly realized there wasn't actually anything there that ticked all the right boxes. But theoretically, I knew it would be possible. So, and that's why I formed the Dental Defense League. I wanted to help other dentists with their indemnities. So what we do is, you know, we're not, people aren't joining a club. They're not a membership. You know, I'm, I'm acting as a broker. Well, I am a broker in a way. You know, I'm finding them indemnity policies that suits their own individual requirements for their practice, for whether they're an associate, practice owner, whatever, and essentially giving them a comprehensive solution to to their indemnity needs. You know, even, I mean, it extends further to things like suspension cover in case, obviously, it doesn't happen very often. Unfortunately, it happened to me. But of course, if a dentist gets suspended, that's it. Their income is 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 put on hold. It's put on hold. Yeah. yeah sorry, I thought you were going to face it there, James. Uh, yeah, the income's put on hold. So, you know, ultimately it's, it's well, you know, can't we protect our registration, our, our license, if you like? And there are policies there that provide you with that element of cover that you can get a payout of, well, it varies depending on the amount you want to cover, but you can get a weekly payout for up to 12 months that will cover you for whether it's loss of earnings, whether it's remediation, training, retraining, or if, you know, paying for a locum, if you're a practice owner, paying for another associate, whatever it is. There's cover, you know, that covers things like that. Wow. There's a lot of depth to it. And yeah, I mean, it, I guess it makes sense. I just never thought about it before, basically. But there you go. There you go. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and knowledge today on the podcast. Ricky, if anybody wants to reach out to Ricky, feel free to find him on the group, Ricky Ruperelia. R- Ricky Ruperelia. You'll be able to find him on there and Ricky can help with anything and everything insurance related whenever it comes to our indemnity. Ricky, you've been really generous with your time today. Thank you so much. And we'll catch up with each other really, really, really soon. Thanks, James. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.